and that he will never leave us nor forsake us. Aren't you glad for that? And uh, this morning I just wanted to, uh, to give you a bit of a charge as a church. And, uh, you know, it's not often that we get a season like we've had in the last couple of years where we've sent uh, missionaries to the field. And I pray that God will allow us to do more. Right, church? Um, I hope that we have the mentality. You know, sometimes we forget that there will be a judgment seat. And, you know, the reason why we we preach the way we do and and we speak about missions and we speak about the gospel, we speak about how we ought to live the Christian life is because we have a judgment seat one day. And we'll give an account for how our lives have been lived. And really the way we treat the, the, the gift of the gospel and those who've been called to, uh, to spread it to different parts of the world, we'll give an account for that too. And I think sometimes, you know, we, we as a church who we have missionaries that we send and we have missionaries that come through, that can become normative and, and become a normality and we have a, uh, we have a callousness toward it. And yet, um, God is, is, is so often reminding us of how we ought to be in regard to that because there will be a judgment seat. And really, to this morning, the message will be in that vein. The point of this message is to exhort us so that we can have a better judgment seat. Uh, who wants that? I do. I want to hear a well done, thou good and faithful servant. I, I want to hear that, I want to see that that as, as those things are burned up, it's, it's not wood, hay, and stubble, but it's gold and silver and precious stones. And as part of that calculation, really is the way we see and view our heart toward the gospel and the spread of it all around the world. And, and we get the privilege of that as a church. And so we're going to see here an example, really, of a healthy missions relationship or partnership. In Philippians chapter 1, let's just read verses 1. To three, and then we'll, we'll go through the rest of the verses as we go through this morning. The Bible says, Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus which are at Philippi, with the bishops and deacons, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. And notice what he says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Right, let's pray. Father in heaven, we just want to come before you this morning. Lord, we just want to thank you, dear God, for, Lord, the great joy it is and privilege to be able to um, send forth another family to the field. We recognize, dear God, that it's, it's your calling, it's your separation. But really, Lord, it's also our responsibility, Lord, to continue to encourage them and lift them up so that they could do your work. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to be instructed this morning through your word on how we ought to do that. Pray to your God that, Lord, as a church, that we'd have a greater heart, that this won't become a, a, Lord, a passing thing, but that, Father, as we get every opportunity, as you continue to call laborers to the field, that we just continue to, Lord, grow and get better at how we, we build those kinds of relationships. And, Father, not to mention... Lord, all of the missionaries who aren't sent from our church, but indeed we support. May it be, Lord God, that we have a a mind to that that really is cast upon the fact that we will give an account for it one day. And I pray that you'd help us, Lord, to be individuals this way. And Lord, I pray that you'd please use the the message this morning to exhort us, uh, Lord, to help us, Lord, to, to become greater servants for you. And Lord, we pray and ask these things in Christ's most precious, holy, wonderful name. Amen. We read the opening few verses of this great book. And really, if you've ever done any kind of reading in the book of Philippians, you understand that the major theme of the book is one of joy and rejoicing. And really, this letter is, in, is written in response to, to this church communicating to the Apostle Paul once and again to the necessities of his needs. And he, he uh, elaborates to the fact that uh, they had sent over Epaphroditus to send, uh, send a, a gift to him 
that greatly lifted his spirit. And really, this was a response to that and, a, and, and an exhortation and an encouragement to them. And, and no doubt, as, as Epaphroditus went over there to, to speak with the Apostle Paul, he would have asked several questions about how the church was doing, how the church was going. And, and, uh, and uh, no doubt, Epaphroditus would have told him about certain things. And so he, later on, he addresses certain people in the church. But really, in all of that, whilst he was sitting in a jail, in a prison, he was trying to exhort the church about what it is to rejoice and how it is to rejoice. Uh, but here in the opening few verses of this book, we also gain insight as to the kind of relationship we ought to have with our missionaries. Um, we, we've been speaking a, a lot this, this month, and, and I, I, uh, I very much recognize that, that uh, I haven't had the opportunity to really uh, teach and preach the church this month. I'm glad for those who've stepped in, and I've heard good reports of what they've been preaching. But this morning, I want to focus on our relationship, uh, perhaps as a church and vice versa, to our missionaries. And, and the kind of relationship we ought to have with them. And Paul, who in this instance was the missionary, who was in this instance was previously instrumental in, in the church, he really had a heart to encourage the church about several things. And I think Paul understood the effect that, that effective missions work was that one that had a fruitful and open relationship with his supporting churches. In Paul's mind, and really preserved for us in God's Word, we have the church and the missionary existing to be dependent on each other and not competing forces. Right? This meant that as Paul went out of his way to encourage them, they in turn would be strengthened to encourage him. It was a mutual faith. It was a codependency that, that, that is demonstrated for us in the Scriptures here. And we note here that this letter was written, as we read there, in joyful remembrance. As he thought about the church in Philippi, in this important and picturesque city in Macedonia, Paul understood that this was a letter written in joyful remembrance. He said it there in verse 3. We read it as he addresses them. He makes his salutation toward the, to them. He says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. He was joyful. He was thankful in his remembrance of them. And we note here that this letter was written in joyful remembrance. This wasn't a bombastic letter slamming the church about their lack of support or their lack of character. But rather it had a tone of joy in his recollection of his fellowship with them. And this is an example really of a healthy relationship between a missionary and his supporting church. And I want to say, as we have this, uh, this, this special event where we get to say goodbye today, for a little while anyway, to this dear family, that, that, uh, that we have several now that we've been able to, by God's grace and by God's doing and by God's enabling, uh, we've been able to send forth some families and church, I hope we get it. That's a responsibility that we must take ownership of. Right, church? Sometimes we get so caught up with our day-to-day, -day, uh, and I understand that, that life has its own challenges, and I understand that perhaps this morning we could be preaching uh, so many other things that would be helpful for us from a day-to-day from a -day thing, but I feel pertinent this morning for us to then speak about this thing, because again, my desire and our desire ought to be is that we have a good standing at the judgment seat when it comes to this. Because not every church and not every congregation gets this kind of privilege over and over again. And I'm not saying that there were, were anything, I'm not saying anything of that. I just understand that it's the grace of God upon our congregation and therefore it's the responsibility of ours to have a healthy relationship, a healthy fellowship, a healthy partnership with those whom God allows us to send forth. And so we're going to note some things here. This is an example of a healthy relationship between a missionary and his supporting church. And we're going to notice these things uh, as, we, as we go through the Scripture here. Notice verses 4 and 5. And here's the first thing. A, a healthy relationship 
between a missionary and his uh, supporting church. It begins here in verses 4 and 5. Notice what he says, Always in every prayer of mine for you. Uh, for you all, making requests with joy. Notice what he says, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. And so the first facet of a healthy relationship between a missionary and their church is this. It was about the gospel. It was about the gospel. Paul, Paul uh, had a vested interest in them as people whom he shared this, this great bond of the gospel with. And you understand that this morning, even as a church, the reason why we meet isn't because, really, we like each other. Although I hope we do like each other. I hope that when we come here that it's all about smiles, it's all about a joy of being with family. I hope that's the case. But recognize this, we're only family spiritually because we have this thing in common, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so all of us here, if you're, you've ever had a time where you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, where you've understood that you're a sinner who is destined for punishment. And the Bible says the wages of sin is death. That, that we recognize though that the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. If there was a time where you called upon Jesus to save you, you recognize your sin, you recognize your ineptitude to, to, uh, to save yourself, you recognize that your good works and your religiosity isn't enough to get you to heaven, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God that you've recognized that you need to call out to a Savior, and that Savior is Jesus Christ. And I want to say that if you're here this morning, if you've never done that, and I'm not saying this morning, and I'm, asking, I'm not asking if you're a religious person this morning. I'm not asking if you're a good person this morning. I'm asking, has there been a time where you've accepted Jesus as your Savior? That's the only way to heaven. And thank you for coming this morning, but your attendance won't get you to heaven. It's only by believing and turning to Jesus Christ to save us will you have a place in heaven, will your sins be forgiven. And, and, and as, as was testified by, by uh, Brother Padding and, and in his testimony of, of going, there's a, there's a great need for the gospel. And really, their relationship was about the gospel. Their, their mutual interest in each other the missionary to the church, the church to the missionary, was about the work of the gospel. This wasn't a, a personality thing. This wasn't a, a, an interest in the places that, that perhaps uh, the Apostle Paul was going to. This wasn't grounded on some sort of sentimentality, although there was that a little bit. This wasn't grounded on anything else but the fellowship that they had in the gospel. The reason why the Apostle Paul would go and the church would send all of those things that they sent to be an encouragement to him, it was because of the gospel. And the reason why we have days like this where we, we, we have to say goodbye, where we shed some tears, where we share some memories, where we send a, a loved family go and loved people go, is not because we dislike them, not because somewhat uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's a specialness about them. No. They have, a, they have a calling to the gospel. And it was about the gospel. The gospel was of primary importance to the church in Philippi and to the missionary Paul. It wasn't so much where Paul was at. It was about the gospel being furthered. Notice verses 12 to 18. And he, he reiterates this in verses 12 to 18. But I would that you should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather into the furtherance of the gospel. So he's saying this, that as he goes through the trials of his faith, as he goes through the prison time, and as he goes through the hardship of that, it was to the falling out of the gospel. It was to the furtherance of it. He says here in verse 13, so that my bonds in, the, in Christ are manifest or shown in all the palace and in all other places and many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Then he goes on and he says, Some indeed preach Christ, even of envy and strife. Some also of goodwill, the one preach Christ of contention, not sincerely supposing to add affliction to my bonds. So 
There were those even who were in opposition to the missionary, to the Apostle Paul, who were in the guise of preaching the gospel, was really adding greater affliction. And something I learned in my recent trip over in, in Thailand and over in Sri Lanka is the sad reality of this is that it's not, the, it's, not the, it's not the false religions that are the greatest issue for some of our missionaries over there. It's actually those that have a pretense of the gospel. They want to keep people under bondage. What a sad thing to, to be under the banner of Christian and keep people out from the gospel. And here, a similar situation was happening to the Apostle Paul. He was saying some indeed preach envy and strife, but then he says, but the other of love, knowing that I'm set for the defense of the gospel, what then notwithstanding every way? And he's saying this, whether in pretense or in the truth, Christ is preached and I therein do rejoice and yea, will rejoice. And you know, Paul's mentality, as he, as he observed what was happening in his life and the trials he was going through and as, as he, was, he was relating this, to a people that he was familiar with, it was all about the gospel. And notice there the absence of complaint. Notice there that it wasn't simply just the, the needs that they personally, he personally had. No, no, this was about the gospel work furthering. And whilst the church was praying that Paul would be released, we see that in verse 19. He was assuming them, sorry, assuring them that he saw it as an opportunity for the gospel. You know, uh, Paul could be confident that this was a, a gospel relationship because firstly, he, he saw some, he was a faithful witness there and he saw some fruit. Uh, we know in Philippians 1.1, he calls them this, to all the saints in Christ Jesus. You know, that's a title given only to those who are saved. He says here, which are Philippi, and then he addresses the office bearers, the bishops and deacons. He, later on in chapter 4, verse 21, he says, salute every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren which are with me greet you. And, and Paul had this great confidence of, their, of them in the gospel. You know why? Because he himself was a faithful witness there, and he had been fruitful there. And, and his fruitfulness was brought about by, by the fact that he just preached the gospel faithfully. And the reason Paul could confidently speak to them about the gospel was because Paul, the missionary, had a first-hand experience of their changed lives in the gospel. If you know a little bit about the, the history of the, book, uh, the, the church in Philippi, uh, Paul had a great love for this church. It was here in Philippi where Paul, having seen a vision of a man from Macedonia, first came after the vision Remember, he was seeking out to go different directions and the Lord forbade him and redirected him. It was here that he landed in Philippi. It was here where Paul was able to see Lydia, the seller of purple, saved. It was there where in her household, uh, her household got saved and in her household, the church was started. Later, Paul was, was, was casting spirits of divinations from a damsel and and that, that brought him trouble. Her employers who were making money from her demonic possession, they incited riot. And as a result, Paul was thrown into jail there, Paul and Silas. And it was there in jail where God miraculously releases Paul and Silas at midnight. And you know who got saved? The Philippian jailer and his household. Remember that scene after the, the earthquake busts him out? Remember the jailer goes, what must I do to be saved? And he just, he, he was saved that day and, and it was in Philippi. And what I'm saying is this, Paul, he had a fellowship in the gospel with, with the church because he saw fruit there with the gospel. He, he had a personal investment in them in regard to the gospel. And, and, and church, listen, as we, as we, uh, look to, uh, desired, uh, we, we desire for God to continue to, to send those perhaps that have a calling. Uh, let us be faithful in our witness. You know, I'm convinced that there would be some still in our community 
you know, I, I, I read a statistic out during our, our, um, our missions month. There's 116 countries represented in the Northwest Corridor. And listen, can you imagine if we want one person from each country and each of them God called to return to their homeland, 116 countries could get the gospel. Is anyone else excited about that or are we just excited about what's to come tomorrow? Listen, our lives, and later on he, he'd say, he tells them, let your conversation be the gospel. That's your manner of life. And Paul had invested the gospel there as a faithful witness, and so he rejoiced in their fellowship that way. You know, we, we understand that, that, that part of God's proving is some fruit. And, and I'm thankful that as I think about the Agateps, you saw it right here. They had fruit in their lives. Church, this morning, are we asleep? They had fruit in their lives. And so what great confidence do we have that they will have fruit again? I'm thankful for that. But there was a faithfulness there. There were a faithful witness. And, and here the missionary and his relationship, it was gospel-centered. It was about the gospel. But really, as a result of that, he had a family in the gospel. Again, over and over again in, in, this, in this great book, he calls them his brethren. He says, therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved and longed for. Uh, later in that same chapter, in chapter 4, he names many of whom he knew well. And this was a place that was familiar. And, and you understand that Philippi wasn't a Jewish city. So, so Paul was a Jewish man. And this was a Gentile city. And yet he found kinship with those who had a different background, with those who came from different places. And Paul's kinship with them was solely based on the fact that they, they were now family in the gospel. And so as he addressed them, he had that fellowship in the gospel. He had those family ties, so to speak. He, he was familiar with them. He knew them. And unlike other uh, places, uh, the book of Colossians comes to mind where he had not known them by face. He knew this place well. This was a place that he had a joy about. And so we see that they had this relationship that was based around the gospel. It was about the gospel but really, it was about the gospel because it was a familiar message. You see, their fellowship was based on the fact that they had the same message to share. And listen, church, let's not be ignorant this morning and neglectful of the fact that whilst we rejoice in, in another couple heading over to another part of the world there in the Philippines, we, we rejoice this week as we commissioned again over on that side in Sri Lanka, Brother Soren, I'm so glad that they get to share the, the message of the gospel. Really, a missionary is just a, a man with a message. And whilst we're glad uh, for, for the other things that they can do, perhaps to alleviate physical need, uh, perhaps have a heart to maybe run uh, an orphanage, and, and a, a, a great thing that I always look forward to in Thailand is a, a huge group of orphans comes from the north, a 12-hour bus ride, to come to the leadership conference, and they're just there. They sing. And I'm glad for all of those things that, that alleviate humanitarian needs. But listen, if that was all, I wouldn't invest. Because it'll last here. But we want things lasting for eternity. And I'm glad for that. I'm not saying those are no good. Those are great things, but the greatest thing is the gospel. And we ought to be concerned about the eternity of those that are over there. But I want to say this. Don't we have the message here? Isn't it the same message for us? Then what are we doing about it? What are we doing with those tracks in the back? What are we doing day to day as we are in this field, as God has called us here? What are we doing as we go about our week to week, day to day, as we meet people on the street, as we as we meet with our neighbors as we sit with friends who are lost. What are we doing here? And the reason the Apostle Paul had this relationship with the church, a healthy one, was it was about the gospel. He, he wasn't worried about, you know, oh, well, the, you know, this and that about the church. No, no, he was, he was concerned about this that they had this fellowship in the gospel. 
And, and I hope that we're concerned about that too. Listen, as we expect them to share the message, we ought to expect it of ourselves. We ought to expect it of ourselves. And we can't all, we're not all called to a different field, but if you're living here, you're called here. You're called here. I hope your mind's not elsewhere. I hope your mind's here as well. You're concerned for your neighbors. You're concerned for your community. You're concerned for this nation. I hope that as you go through the thoroughfare of the week, that you will just take the time to just love people. To, to see them as souls in need of a Savior. Because someone was concerned about you. And someone gave you the gospel. And someone gave you the, the words of eternal life that made a difference in your life. In verse 27, he says, Only let your conversation or your manner of life be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. And he says here, That whether I come and see or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs. That you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Hey, um, Agateps, would it be a great thing to hear that there's several souls saved here? Would it be a great thing? I think they're nodding. It'd be a great thing over there. We'd like to hear about that. But we'd like you to keep going with that. That's going to be what our relationship is all about. And we're going to care for you as, as you care for the work of the gospel. And see, the fellowship we enjoy together as believers is really is found in the gospel. And the greatest thing we can have in common is the salvation we freely receive by the blood of Christ. And, and we are to, if we are to have a healthy relationship between us and our missionaries, we need to be greatly concerned about our witness here and their witness there. And I'm glad to pray and pay for needs if it means the gospel will go out with strength. And so we see that firstly. We see secondly, notice verse 6. Look at Philippians chapter 1 again. Notice verse 6, being confident of this very thing that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Skip down to verses 9 to 11. And this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that you may approve things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. And, and, and Paul, in his relationship with the church and vice versa, it was about the gospel, but it was also about God's work in individual lives. And whilst there's a, there's a people group that, that missionaries sort of look at, a nation, understand this, that just like a church, a community and a nation and a people group is made up of individuals. You are an individual this morning. And whilst you're part of this collective called the body of the local church, you understand that we are individuals. And God is concerned with the individual. He, he, he doesn't merely save groups. He saves groups through individuals. And, and so he was concerned with the individuals, uh, God's work in the individual lives. And, and the missionary here, he was reminding them that God wanted to continue his work in them until Christ returned. And our relationship ought to be based on an expect, expectation of continued growth and fellowship in Christ. You know, a, a great thing, for us to be observing. You know, a missionary doesn't get on the field and is complete. He's growing and she's growing too. And, and you observe that over time. Um, when, when I went over to Thailand, as, as I've done uh, several times now, I see in Pastor Joe a growth. I see that he's grown in his, in his leadership. I see that he's grown in his compassion. I see that. And if you read the letters, you hear that. If you read in between the lines. And, and we, we will pray and continue to pray and continue to remind our missionaries that they are to continue to grow in Christ. But, but that, that's really the... Really, the, the goal of, of every believer is to grow in Christ. Us here as well. And it would be good for them as they come back once in a while to see the growth in the church in this way, growth in the likeness to our Lord Jesus Christ. That we would be more like Him. That, that, that in the process of that, we will win some, but we will grow some as well. 
And and really, Paul expressed this in another way to the church in Galatia. In Galatians 4.19, My little children, of whom I travail in birth again, notice what he says, until Christ be formed in you. And God's desire for us, as recorded in the Scriptures, is is that Christ be formed in us is that God continues to work in the individual lives. And, and part of the joy we have in hearing about people saved are people that will be discipled and growing to be like Christ. It, it amazed me again. And, and I can only really point to reference here in, in Thailand, some, somewhat in Sri Lanka. But I can reference in some point some of the people there whom I, I met when they were a little younger in the faith, who have now grown a little bit and now serving so handily alongside the Shemishes and the Camp Songs. They're forming a good core team there. That, And guess what? They're starting to send some people out to different parts of Thailand. Uh, uh, there's a church planter that's associated with them, Brother Gawit. We renamed him David because it's so hard to pronounce his name. But, um, but we, 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 we recognized him during the conference and we prayed over him. And he's going to another part of Thailand. And, um, and, and there were those that were just amazed at the growth in that person's life. But I bet if, if some here this morning were observed like that, I bet some would be observed like, oh, they've grown. They, they've grown in their likeness of Christ. And I hope that that's us as a church. I hope that as much as we, we want to see that on the field, that our relationship is about growing in Christ. And, and I'm saying here that as, as, we, as we joy in that over in the foreign field, may it be here also. See, a maturing church is a growing church. We're growing in that way. And, and here God wants to remind us about His work in us, that it's a sure work. He says, being confident. He says, be confident about this. Paul was fully persuaded that God was able and was working in them and on them. And and, and listen, church, this morning, uh, have no doubt about the Word of God and how it will grow you. The Bible tells us that His Word will not return void. But really, it comes down to this. It comes to a willingness to receive. And I hope that that's us this morning. It's, but be, be sure, it's a sure work. It's also our Savior's work. It's He which had begun a good work in us. It's He that's working in us. This is a work not based on their individual performance, nor was it powered by their own might. This was a working of the Savior that saved them. And aren't you glad that uh, upon salvation, God didn't just leave you alone. God continues to live in you and work in you. And I'm glad for that. But also it was a significant work. He'll perform it. You see, this word perform means to carry out. means to accomplish, to complete, to fulfill. And, the, and what he's saying is the work was not going to be left undone. This, this has an idea that God was going to create something of a masterpiece with them. The Bible tells us we're His workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. But we're a workmanship. And, and I love the song that the children sang, God's still working on me. And about half of us are the same. But, but I hope that you're, you're recognizing that God's trying to do a significant work in you, but it's a sure work. It's a Savior's work. He lists the specific areas in verses 9 to 11. And really in Paul's prayer here, it really speaks about their great relationship of prayer together. You know, sometimes we forget that as we pray for our missionaries, if we have a healthy and right relationship with them, they will pray for us also. And we covet your prayers Brother Pitting, Sister Marielle, we want that. We'll pray for you, but please pray for us. We want God to work. And here he speaks about love, that they would grow in love, that they would grow in their excellence in verse 10, that they would grow in their sincerity in verse 10, that they would grow in their righteousness in verse 11. And I could only imagine the joy it was for Paul to know that they were growing in Christ as individuals. You know, as much as they were cheering Paul on, Paul was cheering them on. It was a mutual faith that they had. 
Uh, Paul understood that his mission wasn't to simply give them the gospel, it was to grow them to maturity. And Paul understood that a healthy relationship was one of mutual growth in those in the church and those he was winning elsewhere. And, and, I, and I, have, I have great desire. You know, I always, when I, when I think of the Agateps, I think of those children that they showed on the screen. For those of you who were here, do you remember that? Some of them, they were trying to, they were, they were saying their name. Some of them were shy. They just turned. <laughs> I would have been one of those shy kids, all right? I would have hid behind my mom. Now I can't do that. I'm much taller. But, um, but I look at that, and I imagine them, and I imagine them growing. Growing under the, the, the influence of the Word of God under the, this faithful couple. And I imagine them maybe perhaps as we take some time later on to visit that they've grown a little bit. And they've grown a little bit. And, and maybe we'll never really know them, but they're growing. But, you know, wouldn't it be a great thing that if they come back, that they see a church that's growing? Don't you think that'll be an encouragement? Don't you think that's a healthy relationship? That they come back and they see a people growing here? That, that they see a people growing in maturity, growing in, in their knowledge of Christ, growing in, their individ- in God's individual work in their lives? Don't you think it'll be an encouragement to them to, to hear that next year the, the, missions, uh, the missions budget uh, went up don't you think it'll be an encouragement for them to see that, that when they come back, there wasn't just a handful going out, but there was, there was a, an army that's going out that, that perhaps we've touched another city with the gospel right here? Don't you think they would be excited just as much as we would be excited for them? Because that's what a healthy missionary church relationship looks like. They were, they were, they were all about the gospel and, and God's working in the individual and there's, there was a, there's a health there. And then lastly, and really quickly, it was also about faithful support for God's servants. And notice verses 7 and 8. He says, Even as it is meet for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers of my grace. And he's saying there that he was given grace. They were partakers of that. For God is my record how greatly I long after you in all the bowels of Jesus Christ. He had a longing for them because they were such a support to him. Look at verse, uh, chapter 4, look at verse 11 to 19. And he elaborates here why. He says, not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. And what a great attitude this missionary had. I know both how to be abased and how to abound everywhere in all things. I am instructed both to, f- to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. And so, so he's speaking about that, that verse in the context of being content, in the context of a place of need. And sometimes we use that verse as a throwaway verse, like I can do all things. I can get an A in that test. No, it was actually in a place of need, a place of suffering. But notice here, verse 14, Notwithstanding, ye have well done that ye did communicate with my affliction. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. It says, Therefore, even in Thessalonica, ye sent once and again unto my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. And then this is another verse we quote. But my God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And we, we quote that and we take that promise and we forget the context. He's giving that blessing because they were faithful to give. Because they were faithful to support. Because they were faithful to do that which was required of them. 
and it was about their faithful support for God's servants. And, you know, I, I can't think of anything more encouraging and more healthy in a relationship than a consistency in our ability to support the needs of our missionaries. And we will pray for them. We, we see that in the, and we'll see that in a bit, but we'll pray for them. But we will also faithfully support, and that's part of a healthy relationship. Sometimes we're begrudging of that. But we forget it's about eternity. We forget about it's about the gospel. And so the reason Paul longed for them was their consistent support of his needs in the ministry. And, and again, can I remind you, how can they hear without a preacher? Hey, without the missionary, the gospel wouldn't be in that place. And, and, and church, listen, I wish I, could, I wish I could give you the feeling that you get when you go into a foreign field and all around you is darkness and, and false religion and right there is a group of people shining like a beacon of light in such contrast to the darkness around them. And it was because a faithful missionary came with a powerful message that changed lives forever. There were those who in Thai sang praises to God. There were those who in Tamil, I didn't quite hear Sinhalese, maybe there was a little bit, who sang in their language, in their native tongue, who for, for thousands of years could not. But you know, they got there because they had a calling and they had faithful people who communicated to them once and again, who supported the work. I wish I could give you that feeling. I wish I could give you that overwhelming feeling of there was nothing here. Then God spoke, now there's something here. <laughs> and it came because there was, there was a faithful church or two or three or four or 20. But there was certainly a faithful sending church who, who communicated, who were faithful to support them for God's work. It was about faithful support for God's servants. And so they sent Epaphroditus with a special gift to minister to Paul. And in this, they sought to encourage. And again, the great joy that we have in sending is we get the job of encouraging. But part of that is, is that, that support, that financial support. And so they sought to encourage. Paul was in the midst of being persecuted for the gospel's sake. And, and can I just say, that, that uh, whilst it may not be persecution per se, missionaries go through hardship. You know, their, their, their backs are against it, so to speak. They, they, they're battling in the front line. And, and, and I want to say that even though for the Agateps there's going to be some familiarity, you're going to go through it. And you're going to need a church that's consistent right here. Who won't worry week to week whether we're going to be able to meet the need. And you're going to go through it. And, and there's going to be times. I shared with, with Soren on his commission night in Psalm 107. It's been a, those who go into great waters. They're, they're, they go to their wits end. Their, their heart is melted. And, and can I just say, you know, God's not, God doesn't hide the fact that those who go out of their way for God goes through some things. And, and I want to say to the Agateps, I want to say that we'll be there. And we, we need to be faithful in our support that way. We need to be encouragers. Um, we, they, they didn't turn their back here the church in Philippi on a person who was being bold for their faith, who was going through some trouble, they encouraged him in his time of need. And, 
And again, missionaries go through various trials and will we be an encouragement to them? They sought to encourage. They supplicated to encourage. Uh, Look at verse 19 quickly. Chapter 1, verse 19. And he says here, For I know that this shall turn to my salvation. Notice what he says, through your prayers. And we need to, to supplicate or give supplication for those that, that are, are missionaries. And it shouldn't just be a Wednesday night thing. It should be a daily thing. And, and never neglect to understand how much our prayers will affect those missionaries whom we support. And, and, and you know, that's the great thing about, uh, about deputation in my mind and in my heart. You know, some, some people have this attitude that deputation is about begging for money. That's wrong. God, God, will, God will, will raise that up. Here's why you should go deputation. It's to share the burden and so that more churches can get behind you in prayer. That's why. And I'm thankful that, that our missionaries have been able to do that. Um, I was, we were just in Melbourne with, with the Portillos and, and Brother Soren, and I was glad for the Portillos as they, they, they were there presenting the work again through their display that several people came to them and said, hey, brother, I'm praying for you. You know, that was, man, I, I didn't go, hey, are you praying for me? No. <laughs> I was like, man, that's great. But they... they, they have a network of those who when they're in their time of discouragement and need are praying and that's can I just say that's why we have a church family I hope we're praying for each other I hope that as you see people around that you would just take the time to pray for them to communicate to them but I, I as 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 we think about a healthy relationship between a missionary and and, and their their church and vice versa we need to supplicate to encourage But then they sent to encourage. Notice there, they sent Epaphroditus. And you might be thinking, well, Pastor, obviously, there were no, there was no, you know, there's no Australia Post. There's no Express Post in that day. Of course they had to send. Well, the reality is this, they didn't have to, but they did. But they sent a person. They sent, they sent a person and probably in, in, as it was in that day, dangerous to travel they probably sent a group, but Epaphroditus led them. But, but here's what I'm saying. Sometimes we need to send to encourage. They sent Epaphroditus. They sent someone to encourage and meet a fellowship need. And, and he says there that, that, that they were the only ones that communicated to him. We won't take the time for sake of time, but in 2 Timothy chapter 4, he says, at first, no man stood with him, the apostle Paul. And, you know, one of the things I recognized, and I think our missionaries will recognize if they don't already, is one of the things they're going to battle on the field is just the thing of loneliness. Just the lack of fellowship. Because really, a lot of them, they're doing the groundwork in an area where there is no work. We take it for granted that, you know, we could, we could go to fellowship meetings. We could go to places. We, we have a church and there's people. I take it for granted as a pastor that I have pastor friends. I do. But you know, uh, the Agateps, from what I know, the, the closest fellowship is about two hours away. If that, maybe. But, but they're going to battle loneliness. And, and you know, there's the, the importance of, of why we ought to go to the field. Why we ought to invest to go on a short-term mission trip? It's just to be an encouragement. It's just to go and just be with the missionary. Just to sit with them, converse, have a cuppa, talk about ministry, talk about life, encourage them in the Lord. And they sent. And I can't wait for the day where we get to go over to Cagayan. To your area. And I, I can't wait. And I pray that it'll be a timely one. Not that I pray that you'll be lonely. I just know you'll, you'll get there. But I pray it'll be a timely one. And we get a, a good group to go and just lift you up a little bit. 
And you know what? Over there on those prayer cards are a myriad of missionaries who would, would absolutely love to just hear from you. You know, there's this thing now. It's the latest invention. It's called email. And there's this thing now called instant messaging. Um, if it's going to cost you too much to make a phone call, send a free email. Their email addresses are on the back of their cards. And just let them know, keep going. Keep going, don't quit. Just, I don't know what you're going through. I, I read a little bit from your prayer letter that you're going through this tribal warfare. Uh, brother boy, I know you're still continuing to work on the boat. How's that doing? Hey, hey, busters, I know that you just went through some tornadoes and things. How you doing? Are you okay? Can I pray for you, brother? Hey, hey, um, Brother Fiding, Sister Mariel, we miss you guys. How are you? Is there anything I could, I could pray for you about? Hey, Brother Soren, I know that you, you, you've had a busy schedule. You've been teaching a lot. You've been ministering. And in fact, I know a little bit more now. I, I went on the roads that you'll be going on. How are you? You safe? How's your walk with God? Hey, uh, Portillo's, glad for your visa. How's the, how's the work? How's the brethren? Have, I know you left them for a while, but how are they? I know it's your first week back. By the way, it's their first week back over there. It's just an email. We can send that, and then guess what? We can go ourselves. We can go. We can take the time and, and just organize, and, and whether... Whether we, we, we look at the, the calendar and, and organize to go and see all of our missionaries eventually, I'd love that. But it takes us going. And who knows what kind of encouragement that will be. I know this. When we took our group over to, to the outback last year in November, it was, it was pretty timely for the Hebrews. They had been going through a bit of a dry spell. I know that, that they, they didn't speak to everyone about this, but I'll tell you this now. They, they were just feeling a bit like they're out of the way. No one knew where they were. And we don't even support them financially regularly. But we went, and you know what? It was just what they needed. They saw Saul saved. They saw another work open. They, they got some, some wind in their sail. And not because we're special. In fact... Sometimes I was like, man, this is this. This is us. <laughs> but, you know, we just the fact that we went, the fact that they could share some memories with others. And, and what I've seen, and, and not so much recently, it's been a year, but for a little while there was an upkeep of text messages in, in a group chat. I know we all love our group chats, right? You're probably part of about 10. But, but we were part of that, and, and there was that, that camaraderie. And I remember the day, it was just a year, and I just remember that it came up. Just reminded them. What I'm saying is you could make such a simple difference, and it's free. <laughs> but what more if we go? And, and I hope that church, even if you can't go, you get behind those who can go. We're going to plan and we're praying for a group to go, Lord willing, to Argentina next year. And, and maybe you've, you're trying to go, but you can't. And maybe you can give a little. Maybe you can encourage, encourage someone to go. Maybe uh, then later next year, Lord willing, we're going to go see uh, Jeremy Pinero and his work there in Vanuatu. And, and we're going to go on a, on a climb into a village that they, they don't normally go to. And, um, and he's excited about that. I hope that when it's that, that time comes, you don't hinder, but you, you encourage. Because you don't know what kind of difference. You don't know, hey, listen, you don't know what kind of encouragement the person going needs. I know some of you here this, this morning who went on a short-term mission trip, you came back so different. Man, you came back and God was just all over you. <laughs> and I, I just loved it. And, and church, I'm saying... It matters. And I hope that we have that kind of relationship with our missionaries. 
I hope that we get to have that, that, that time. But it was about faithful support for God's servants. And what I'm asking is this, do, you have a healthy, do we have a healthy relationship with our missionaries? Do we know their needs and how to pray for them? Do we faithfully witness here as they faithfully witness over there? Do, do we invest in, in ourselves and others to grow in Christ as they also in their field Will you faithfully support the work here so that we can faithfully support the work there? It's about the gospel. It's about fruit for eternity. It's about Christ's glory. And so as, as we have this time where we say somewhat goodbye for a little while, we rejoice in what God has done in them. But we will rejoice to see God do greater through them. And we get to be part of that church. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you. Lord, just for the opportunity that we've had this morning to, uh, Lord, just be challenged and exhorted about this very important thing of our relationship with our missionaries. And Father, in, in my mind, somewhat of an unusual message for a Sunday morning. But Father, perhaps, and I trust, needful for all of us, and certainly the occasion merits it as far as, Lord, this uh, dear couple who really for the second time this year were sending another to go to the field. And Lord, I, I do think of, of the Portillos. I think of Sister Lydia. I think of um, Soren. I think of uh, Brother Anger and all the others that, Lord, we call our missionaries and and I thank you, Lord, for just your work. I pray that you'd help the Agateps as they head over, but help us as a church to have that healthy relationship with all of them, including all the ones that we, uh, Lord, so have supported for so many years. I pray you help us, Lord, and I pray that you'd instill a desire in our hearts. And with every head bowed, every eye closed, and we won't take long this morning. But I wonder this morning if... Um, I could ask you some questions as we can have a time of invitation. The piano can begin to play. And with every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. I wonder if this morning, I wonder if I were to ask you this question and whether you're a regular attendee or a guest of our church, this is a question for you. I wonder if you were to die today. Would you know for sure that your sins are forgiven, that heaven's your home? See, the Bible tells us it is appointed unto man once to die, and after this, the judgment. It's an appointment that we won't miss, and, and we don't know what tomorrow holds. So the Bible then exhorts us, today is the day of salvation. And if you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior, maybe you're, you've trusted in your good works, on your church membership, maybe your family ties, can I just simply ask you just to lift up your hand and say, Pastor, just pray for me. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I won't call you out. I'll simply pray for you this morning. Say, Pastor, just pray for me. I'm not sure if I'm going to heaven. If I was going to be honest with you this morning, and if, if, I, were to, if I were to die right now, if I were to die tomorrow, I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know. Just with a lifted hand, just, I'll simply pray for you. Anyone here this morning? Anyone this morning? Then I want to speak to you who are Christians. I wonder how your judgment seat will be when it comes to your relationship with our missionaries. I wonder what your stewardship of that is like. I wonder if we're faithful in our gospel witness. I wonder as we expect them, I wonder if that's where we need to just continue to be faithful. I wonder if you're here and you just, just want to continue to grow and maybe your growth has been stunted. Maybe you've allowed some things to hinder you and maybe it's just that faithful support and you haven't been faithful even in your commitment to just continue to financially, prayerfully and personally support the work of the gospel through our missionaries. And let's all stand to our feet, no one looking around. But if... Um, if you're here this morning and God's spoken to you, just with an uplifted hand, just while you're standing,
I just want to pray for you this morning. Is there anyone here? The Lord's spoken to my heart. The Lord's spoken to my heart. See hands there at the back. Anyone else this morning? God's spoken to my heart. Anyone else? See those hands. Anyone else? God spoke to me. I want to be more, more involved, more faithful in, in how I relate to our missionaries. Is there anyone else? See those hands. How about this? I want to, I want to say, are you, will you faithfully pray for the Agateps? Will you pray, faithfully pray for, for Soren, for, for Tillos, for, for Lydia, for, for Gil? Would you faithfully pray for them this week? Just say, Pastor, I'll pray for them this week. I'll faithfully pray. Many hands. All right, well, let's, let's take our time as the piano plays. If you raise your hand, I want to invite you to come, and maybe we'll start today. Maybe we'll just start to pray and just um, seek the Lord for them. Uh, we're not going to see them for a little while. And I want to invite you to come to the front this morning and just pray here at an old-fashioned altar. Why don't we take the time this morning as we, as we consider those things that we've been challenged about.